Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Welcome back to the Medical Nemesis Podcast. And today's episode, eat that frosh, however you say that, it's a German word. I don't speak German, so I'm not really sure how to pronounce that properly. But it's the German word for frog. And why are we discussing a frog today? Well, for those that have never heard of it before, there's a really popular prioritization book called Eat That Frog. Really strange name, I know. But since we're talking about prioritization again today, we're going to cover some of the material from that book and a few other prioritization type books. All right, I'm going to try to stop saying that word. I'm getting tripped up on it a little bit. As we've discussed in recent episodes with the seven habits of highly effective students and other things, we're trying to really get down to goal oriented pathways and planning and actually action on those plans. So, Today, we're going to discuss a couple of things from very popular organization books, how to set your priorities in the most effective way. And in Eat That Frog, Brian Tracy mentioned something that really caught my attention when I first read it, or I should say listen to it, since I mostly do audiobooks when I'm driving around. And he said, planning for 10 minutes can save you two hours of work. And that really floored me. That just seems like such a lot of time that you could save from 10 minutes of planning. Yet, a lot of us don't really spend a lot of time planning. Or if we do, maybe we're not doing it in the best way. So we're going to cover some of those techniques today and hopefully all become better at planning and reaching our goals. So going to his website, Brian Tracy also has another quote on there that I want to read to you that kind of explains that last one a little bit more. It says, the good news is that every minute spent on planning saves as many as 10 minutes in execution. It takes only about 10 to 12 minutes for you to plan out your day. But this small investment of time will save you up to two hours, 100 to 120 minutes, in wasted time and diffuse effort throughout the day. So I'm not sure exactly where he gets this number from, and I haven't been able to find any research on it, but it's an intriguing concept and something that I hear in a lot of business settings and trying to get more efficient, really, with your day. So let's take a look at some of the things that he says to do to become better at that planning and make your planning more effective. And obviously just planning sounds like it's so beneficial that we should all be spending a little more time making sure that we're doing it in the most effective way. And this has to do with every aspect of your day. Plan your studying, plan your schoolwork, plan your workouts, plan your meal prep. That's something that I constantly forget to do. It takes a lot longer to prepare meals than I think it's going to. And granted, you still have to have time to eat it and clean up after yourself and all of those other little things. But you also want to plan your breaks to make sure to have some downtime where you're not doing anything. So that's extremely important here. And the next main concept that he discusses is called the law of three. This is basically where you take the largest three tasks that you're currently working on those that are going to be the most beneficial in the long run. And they use the business aspect of these are the three tasks that are going to produce 90% of your income or productivity for the day or the month or the year, whatever metric you're using. So what are those three big, big things that are going to give you 
the most bang for your buck, the most efficient way of studying and reaching your academic goals or occupational goals if you're getting closer to the end of your medical school journey and starting to look towards residency. And then he says, of those three big tasks, if you could just wave a magic wand around and be done with one of the things, what would it be and what would have the biggest impact, the biggest effect on your life? That's your ugly frog. That's your ugliest frog. So that's why the book's called Eat That Frog. It says tackle that biggest, most ugly task first. Eat that frog first. And then the rest will be so much easier. Because that big ugly frog is the one we want to avoid. It's the one that we just want to stay away from. And we put it off and we procrastinate. And then we end up suffering for it later on. So this could be with your quizzes currently, a large assignment that's coming up. Maybe your shelf or board exam prep that can take a long time. That can be a very ugly frog. Or even your clinical rotations. How are you going to tackle those? What skills are you using there? How are you getting the most out of your rotations? And for those that would like advice on that and letters of recommendation and just advice from preceptors and physicians in every different aspect and walk of medical education, including those that are not just physicians, check out my other podcast, Rounds to Residency. Previously, the One Minute Preceptor podcast, but Rounds to Residency is much easier to find now. Another rule that they talk about here, and granted, this is in pretty much every book, so you've probably heard it a million times before, but in case you haven't, let's cover the 80-20 rule. The official name is the Pareto Principle, but the 80-20 rule is easy to remember. And this is really looking at, at least from a business sense, it says, what are the 20% of tasks that take up 80% of your time? Or what are the 20% of your customers that send 80% of the complaints? or the 20% of customers that make 80% of your revenue. It really depends on the scenario. So for us, for medical educators, for medical students, we can look at this in a few different ways. And we've talked about this in past episodes as well, but it's always good to review and get a refresher and see if we're implementing it in the most effective way if we've already started to use some of these techniques and rules. What is the 20% of the material covered by your in-class lecture or video lecture? That's going to make up 80% of what you need to know. What is the 20% of your textbook that's going to make up 80% of the most important facts? Often these are going to be highlighted for you, either by the presenter, your lecturer, or in a textbook by being bolded or a different color. Of course, it doesn't have to be 80 and 20%. These can vary. It could be 70-30, could be 90-10. But what portions of this material are going to be the most important? This could also be in the aspect of your flashcards. What if you download a flashcard deck that has thousands of cards already uploaded there? Well, there's a good chance a lot of them are not going to be that useful for your particular knowledge base and the problems that you're having. So it can be good to get rid of those. Get rid of the easy ones. Get rid of the really rare diseases. Yeah, you can add them into a gunner deck later on, maybe, where if you've mastered all the main material, come back to it. Go for that 260s, 270 kind of score number. But that's not going to be necessary for most of your classwork, and it's not going to be necessary for most students in general. So just try to pick the best parts of all the resources you're using to really focus on initially anyway. And once you've mastered those, once you have them down pat, you can explain it to someone that doesn't know anything about medicine. Then you can move on to more complex materials, more rare cases, and those less high yield, but still possibly going to arise on a test here or there types of material. Now, in the past and in our book, Read This Before Medical School, 
we've covered the Covey's management matrix a lot, and that's from the seven habits of highly effective people. But in Eat That Frog, he uses a different type of prioritization technique. And this is the ABCDE method. And basically what this stands for, and I know in medicine, we have a lot of ABCDE rules, but for prioritizing your material, what you're going to tackle right now, it's assuming that you have some sort of to-do list or schedule or something that you're using to track the tasks you need to complete. This is a rating scale for it. Now, if you remember in the Covey matrix, it was kind of a two by two square. If you've ever looked it up before, or you could look it up right now, if you're not driving, if you're safe to do so. And it breaks them down into important, unimportant, and then immediate and not immediate. And obviously you want to finish everything that's important and immediate first in that quadrant. And then the important, but not immediate, you can maybe save for a little bit later, but you don't want it to be too far on your list. And down the list we go, the unimportant and the unimmediate, you can pretty much get rid of. That's just wasted time or leisure time, potentially watching TV, something like that. Not something we're going to focus on to be efficient. The ABCDE method, the A stands for very important. The B stands for important. C stands for, well, it'd be nice to do. Kind of like getting a grade. Eh, C's passing, but not really something we enjoy. <laughs> not something we're going to focus on for a task. A D stands for delegate. Granted, this is in a business sense. So if you're a business owner or plan to be, you want to delegate that task off. Might be a little more difficult to do for students. And E stands for eliminate, whenever possible anyway. So those are the really, really low yield tasks that you kind of want to do, but it's not at the sea level and you don't really have a way to delegate it. Well, just get rid of it. You probably don't need it. It's probably just wasting your time. So you go down your to-do list your tasks list, and you label everything with this coding system. And if you have more than one A, then you'd go into even smaller chunks. All right, this one's one A, this one's two A, this one's three A. And you want to focus on all the A's first, obviously, and then the B's, and then C's if you have some spare time, and of course, get rid of the D's and E's. Now, the one problem I have with the ABCDE method, at least for medical school, at least the way I think of things, is it is difficult for me to assess what is an A if I have a small assignment due now, but I have a large assignment that's due in a couple of weeks. How do I determine which one of those is going to gain priority? That's kind of why I favor the Covey's management matrix. It separates it out by time. This is important now, this is important, but not right now. But this ABCDE method can also be very useful, even if you're just using it for shorter term tasks. You can label all of the assignments, the planned question banks that we're going to go over, how many questions we're going to go over. We're going to use this for maybe assessing certain extracurricular activities. Is this really going to be the best, most efficient use of my time right now? Or is it something that would look good on my resume, but I really don't have time now? I'm struggling in biochem. I'm struggling in pathology. I would like to do this extracurricular. I'd like to go out and donate time to this event, but maybe right now is not the best time. It can be for later. So this method of prioritization can be really simple if you have a list already and you don't want to put them into quadrants and figure out what to do from there. But the one good thing he does say in the book is kind of a way to tackle big tasks. Because like I said, if it's a long-term task, if it's several months of studying for a board exam or something along those lines, that's really difficult, in my opinion, to use this type of method. 
but he has a couple of things that he mentioned on this particular topic. So when you're breaking up large tasks, you want to do something from actually habit number two of the seven habits, and that's keep the end in mind, or start with the end in mind. And that's really knowing what your end goal is. Is it to do something by a certain time? Is it to reach a certain grade, a certain mark? Is it to get published? Is it some other metric that you're really going for? Is it for leisure? I just really enjoy doing this. It's a hobby. It's something I have intrinsic value for. So figure out what your goal is and what the end result is that you really want to see. And then break that down into manageable parts. You can do this by breaking events down. I want to do this this year, this next year, this in five years from now. You can break down the yearly things into quarters. You can take those quarters and break them down into per month. What can I do each month to reach this quarter goal? It'll reach this year goal. And then you can break it down further into weeks and days and so on and so forth. So the way he describes this in Eat That Frog is two different types of methods, the sliced salami method and the Swiss cheese method. Why they're both named after food, I don't know, but it's common in medicine too, especially in pathology. So we should be used to that part. The sliced salami part is divide and conquer. To divide all these tasks up in certain different ways and tackle one until it's completely done. Just be done with it, put it in the back of your mind, don't need to think about it again. Great way to tackle certain tasks. The Swiss cheese method is taking small bites at a time. I suppose this could be interpreted in several different ways, but if you just do a little bit at a time over a long period of time, you're still going to get the task done. And this is actually how we recommend you study, too. Cramming is not effective. You might remember some of it for the next day, maybe for two days, but really doing space repetition over time, that's taking small bites out of your studies. That's taking small bites out of the board exams. So make sure to try to divide things up in a way that makes sense to you. Have a plan of action. Remember from the beginning of this episode, just 10 minutes to 12 minutes of planning can really save you up to two hours a day because you already know what your goal is and you know how you're getting there. You've broken up your goal into little tiny bits to manageable pieces and then now have one thing at a time to tackle and you're not being distracted, you're not trying to multitask, you're not trying to do all of these inefficient processes that a lot of us do. And this is kind of emphasized by his next law, which is the law of forced efficiency. This states that there's never enough time to do everything but there's always enough time to do the most important thing. So do the number A's on your A, B, C, D, E. Do that ugliest frog task first. Break things down. Tackle the most important thing at a time. And kind of similarly, although I don't believe this was mentioned in his book, but we've mentioned it in past episodes as well, is Parkinson's Law, which I feel like it goes with the forced efficiency law very well. And that's that work expands to fill the allotted time. So if you have a project due in two weeks, you're going to procrastinate most likely. You're going to wait until the last bit of time to really finish it. And whenever we do that, we're very inefficient. We're wasting time in between. We're thinking about it in the back of our mind, maybe getting distracted by it, maybe doing little tasks for it here and there. But if it's not planned out tasks, as we just discussed a minute ago, then it's probably not going to be efficient tasks. It's going to be more like multitasking tasks where we're doing things at such an inefficient rate that it's hurting us more than helping us. So avoid Parkinson's law by really setting aside a 
a certain amount of time to finish a certain project. Fight procrastination by having time planned out and maybe limiting the amount of time you have to work on this, at least for that day. I have one hour. I'm going to get as much done on this assignment as I can this hour, and then I'm done. I'm not going to touch it again, at least until the next day. And this is best done by clearly outlining your goals. Again, allocating time, allocating responsibilities. If it's a group setting, make sure everyone knows what they're doing. One of the biggest wastes in business is board meetings, and it can be very similar with group study sessions in medical school. So make sure everyone knows the responsibilities, knows what they have to do by what date they have to do it by and who they're reporting to. And the more organized and planned out it is, the better off the result's going to be. Okay, so before we finish off this episode, let's just do a quick review of some of the main concepts here. We have planning for a couple minutes every morning, every day, can save hours throughout the day. We have the big three, the law of three, which is take your top biggest, most effective tasks that are most effective to your future, to your life, the ones that are going to have the most impact on your goals, and eat the ugliest frog first. We have the 80-20 rule. So again, trying to find out which bits and pieces are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck, and everything else can be maybe put for another time, lower down on the priorities list. We can prioritize with the ABCDE method, or again, the alternative is Covey's management matrix. With big tasks, we have to use the sliced salami or the Swiss cheese method. We have to break them down into manageable pieces, and we can finish one at a time and get rid of it, or maybe take little bites over a long period of time if it's not something that's easily broken down. Use Parkinson's law, which really means to set aside a certain amount of time and have a clear goal of what you're going to accomplish with that set time. And don't waste any extra time, because if you give yourself all day to finish this project, you're probably going to be working on it all day. You'll get distracted. You'll have other things come up, and you'll just let the work expand to fill the allotted time. And then to finish this up, I really want to make it clear that you should prepare to fail. And that's not a bad thing. We all fail. <laughs> it might be small failures. Some might be larger. I've definitely been there many, many times. I know where you're coming from. But to get the most done, we sometimes have to fail to learn. As long as we get feedback from that failure, as long as we learn something from that failure, then we can come back and fix it and we can become better. So just remember that learning is continuous. And especially in the medical field, you are a lifelong learner. You're going to hit roadblocks throughout your entire career, your entire life. And that's exactly how it should be. We need to keep pushing the limits, never getting too complacent with where we are. But there's no such thing as perfection, and we can always strive to make small increments of change for self-betterment. Well, this should release around St. Patrick's Day, I believe, so for those that are celebrating, be safe, have fun, and we'll see you next week. Have you been thinking about one-on-one -on -one training and tutoring at a reasonable price? Well, Prospective Doctor is now sponsoring a limited number of free sessions with me each month. To register, you can go to prospectivedoctor.com slash chase and register for a free 30-minute coaching session. If you decide that you want to use their MCAT or USMLE tutoring services, you can now use the code CHASE10 to receive 10% off of your first $400 spent. Just enter CHASE10 and get your discount now.
The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by MedSchool Coach. To access MedSchool Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.